Welcome into Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Redder, ready to bring you some fiery content on this Monday. Uh, I think we're going from Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday now. Don't set the standard too high. We're gonna we're gonna bring you okay content, and then we're maybe hopefully gonna over deliver. I'll, I'll take okay. that. I'll take yeah. that. Today we're gonna be doing a little quarterback and running back class overview for the 2020 NFL Draft, and we've talked about the top five guys, top ten guys at nauseum yes. with both of these positions. So what we're gonna do is walk through all of the players that will be, or all of the players at each position that will be in the 2020 NFL Draft Guide update that will come out to f- on February 24th, all available to Edge and Elite subscribers. Really excited for that next update. 250 players yes. added to the draft guide. It's a that, lot. It's, it's a lot absurd. of work. It's, it is a lot of work. And But it's hopefully going to be, I mean, hopefully, it's going to be the best draft guide we've ever done. Yeah, that that, uh, that I can promise you guys, it'll be the best draft guide we've ever done. It, it's already. I think it's. I'm it's talking to the guys. It's going to be over 700 pages. Yeah. This 250 person draft guide is going to be over 700 pages. That is absurd. It's only going to get bigger. I don't think you've even read a book that's 300 pages, Mike. No, right? I mean I have not. I, <laughs> I definitely have not. No, that's. This will be the longest thing I'll ever read. All right, let's <laughs> let's dive into the quarterback <laughs> class. Starting with no particular order. Like I said, we're going to kind of throw some names at you. We're going to go Cole McDonald to start. This guy I think did crack the top 10 of PFF's latest quarterback rankings right at 10 and he's moving up the board really cut the dreads because he cut the dreads i remember talking about like way early when we first started this podcast we were saying you get cole mcdonald cut the dreads maybe he loses some (laughs) of that risk some of that danger with those dreads and he's because we're a red flag a huge red flag i mean a a yellow flag hanging (laughs) on top of his head a dead flag they were were literally (laughs) dead dead locks on his head but cole mcdonald freshly shaved looking great and he's the guy who moved up maybe moving up the board but did crack our top 10 on pff's latest quarterback rankings this guy's the classic roller coaster prospect, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he was top five in the nation in both turnover worthy plays and big time throws. Uh, a roller coaster, like you said, a very much a roller coaster of a prospect. That Hawaii offense is absurd, considering you know, projecting to the NFL five wide almost every snap at least four wide every single snap actually like they actually ran four wide every single snap uh that he was there at hawaii under center not under center in the shotgun so it was just a weird offense to play in we were projecting to the nfl but he has a big arm and he's actually kind of accurate he was still uh, i believe he was top 20 nationwide in terms of his accuracy on throws from one to 10 yards downfield which you think big arm you think raw quarterback you think inaccurate no he kind of actually has some accuracy to work with so that's why he cracks the top 10 for us do you see him moving up in the process moving forward maybe with the combine and pro day some interviews coming up the no dreads is cole mcdonald <laughs> locked in at 10 or does this guy have a chance to go up or down are there other quarterbacks that can push him out of the top 10 no i i feel like qb is one position where the whole pre-draft process is so after the senior bowl the senior bowl you can actually move like senior bowl is something but like the testing numbers whatever that doesn't even move the needle for us we have the data we have watched and graded all these throws i think we've those the rankings at the quarterback position now are fairly set for us mm-hmm. we have it's just like you the on field is so much more important than the sort of testing what you do uh in this whole circus before the draft all right let's jump to the next quarterback then james morgan who i think i've seen some getting some, he's buzz. Getting some buzz he's getting some buzz and is it rightfully so he's getting some buzz no it's not rightfully <laughs> so this this one blows my mind that james morgan came so the Florida international quarterback uh, is Alex Magoo. It came six, out of Florida international. <laughs> not not helping his cause there. But <laughs> six foot four, two fifteen. Very much looks the part. Pretty big arm. Easy release. But then you look. He threw fourteen touchdowns this year. Five interceptions. Average seven point one yards per attempt. Fifty eight completion percentage. Uh, 
had more grading is not great. Had more turnover worthy plays than big time throws. Finished with a sixty nine point one passing grade this past year. I'm pretty sure Joe Burrow had a better grade than that in every single game he played in. He's uh, not that good. Yeah. Like, I mean, like this guy at playing the quarterback position is not that good. And yes, arm talent will get you drafted if you have a big arm. Chances are you'll go somewhere on day three. Mm-hmm. But he's just not accurate with it. Like, and his feet are all over the map in the pocket. Uh, I, I went in wanting, you know, I, I go and watch these small school guys at quarterback wanting to like find that gem, mm-hmm. like wanting to be convinced, wanting to hop on board, like you did with the UAB kid. Yes, <laughs> and no, and this is not the guy. I'm this hop is not on the board case. Yeah, board. going looking more into the grades itself, he ranks 68th in the country in PFF passing grade at 69.1. James Morgan of FIU, and only 14 big time throws on 368 attempts. That scares me when you're trying to talk about a guy with a big arm that has this potential to make big plays. Where are the big plays? And that speaks to the accuracy. If you have a big arm and you have this arm talent that you know you speak to with James Morgan, but you're not connecting down the football field, mm-hmm. inaccurate big arms aren't that great. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. They're overrated in a sense. He also had 18 turnover-worthy plays. Like you said, more turnover-worthy plays than big-time throws. I mean, this is a concerning grading profile for James Morgan. Yeah, it very much is. Like He is... I mean, I get why you're, if you're going to be drafting him, you know he's project. Like, you very much know. But, like, the, the things that you would want out of a project, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, Cole McDonald has them. Mm-hmm. I don't think James Morgan necessarily does. All right. Let's jump to Nate Stanley, who has a much better grading profile than James Morgan. The yes. Iowa quarterback, he earned an 81.5 PFF passing grade, which ranked 30th in the country this past year. I'm standing out to me right now, though. 2018, 28 big-time throws, only yeah. nine turnover-worthy yes. plays for Nate Stanley. That is an impressive ratio. Yeah, he stands just outside, probably, of our top. 10 if we were to take it to like 12 he would have been on that list at the quarterback position there's things to like about him you know plays pro style offense took snaps from under center uh that sort of thing 6'4 242 big dude uh and he did have a good grade this past year 81.5 uh passing grade this past season like you mentioned protects the football but a lot underneath stuff in that offense uh i think he's just accuracy is not not great. Uh, he has very much been over the course of his career, missed a lot, left a lot of plays on that football field. Never been a guy, never completed over 60% of his passes in a single season uh, there at Iowa. Three years of starting. So I, I do think there's something here. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's probably like a fourth, fifth round type of guy that, you know, kind of like CJ Beathard before him, who you can hang on a roster, but I'm not. There's a reason why he fell outside of the top 10 QBs. And again, the accuracy or lack thereof just has shown that, you know, throughout his career yep all right let's jump to tyler huntley the the utah the former utah quarterback i think he has some athleticism to his game i i do like what he did at utah but again i don't know if this guy's really a top is this a top quarterback prospect you can't say that no no he's the biggest thing is that he can run like his legs are a weapon for him uh he very much uh, you know the grading this past season was very favorable to him he had an 89.0 passing grade but a lot of that is kind of uh when things weren't there he wasn't putting the ball in harm's way he, kind of the how the jalen hurts-esque grading well in terms of uh he graded well because a lot of times when things broke down or when like he didn't get to, through his reads he would run break the pocket get out and make plays with his legs and so not taking those negative throws but also so uh, I don't think he's athletic enough to necessarily move the needle as a rusher in the in the NFL at the quarterback position. And then he's <clears throat> excuse me. He's just very much a uh, just a project as a passer still like he has a long, super long release, uh, only six one two oh five. 
he's I, I'd probably still draft him. He's probably still a draftable prospect, but yeah, he's not as good as that eighty nine point oh passing grade would suggest. Yeah, going into that, you know, passing grade, I, I don't, you know, eighty nine point oh with only eighteen big time throws and six turnover worthy plays. This guy's accurate with the football. I mean, he had the second lowest uncatchable inaccurate percentage of any quarterback in college football this past year. Only Keaton Slovis, Keaton Slovis threw a lower number of uncatchable inaccurate yes, he passes for Tyler Huntley. He beat out Joe Burrow in that regard. Mm-hmm. I think not being accurate with the football, but again, this isn't a guy that pressed the football down field didn't take a ton of risks at utah uh and i think the, the rushing ability like you said does add you know to to his profile for sure um going to josh love you know who likes josh love i think uh, george Chahuri likes josh love oh really yeah i think he's in in the in the advanced analytics this i like josh love this guy's got he's, some talent he to me is he's like a mid-round type of quarterback prospect a third or fourth rounder mm-hmm. I, I, I truly believe that uh he graded out extremely well for us i love his pocket presence he did really well under pressure like he the dude didn't take a lot of sacks uh stood tall in the pocket now the reason he's probably not getting hype like you know james morgan's getting hype is because he's 6'2 200 pounds like the guy is not built like you'd doesn't want an NFL he doesn't look the part arm strength very average you know very average for the nfl level so from that perspective you're just never gonna you're never gonna get hype yeah. as a small school quarterback no one's gonna buy into those numbers when mm-hmm. you put up big numbers no one's gonna buy into them and he put up you know Good, not great number, 60.0, 6.9 completion percentage, 8.2 yards per attempt, 22 picks to eight touchdowns this past season. Uh, but it, I, I, I will say that I'm not surprised that the advanced numbers love him because you watch him play the game. Accurate very accurate with the football. Uh, I think there is something to work with here with Josh Love, San, San Jose State QB. Uh, like I said, 28 big-time throws this past year, 14 turnover-worthy plays. That's a pretty good ratio. Definitely. I mean, impressive grading profile. The accuracy stuff definitely stands out. When you talk to George Shuri and Eric Eager, the data scientists here at PFF, if they like a guy, it's worth turning back on the tape. They're telling me some other guys as well, looking at offensive line metrics, Michael Onwenu. On, on Onwenu. Onwenu. I don't know. I actually guy. don't know that. Stop. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Josh Love, another one yeah. of those mid-round quarterback prospects, but one of which that is, you know, grading profile stands out. I, I think, you know, not, not doesn't look the part mm-hmm. from a size standpoint, but a name to know. Could very much be like a, uh, gosh, the name's now slipping my mind, Mullen, the backup for oh, the Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, yeah. Uh, very much like that. Very super productive in college at Southern Miss. Graded out really well his last year there. Kind of just flew under the radar because the size, the arm strength didn't fit the mold. But then he gets a shot in the NFL and, well, he outplays, you know, a lot of you know, other backups around the league. Tell me what you know about Kevin Davidson. I know he went to Princeton, and I know we're grading his games currently, and he will be in the draft guide. But uh, I will get to his tape once the grading is done this week, and we'll get uh, we'll give you a full report on Davidson when that does come up. But Kevin Davidson uh, worth was requested by NFL teams for us to grade him. So oh wow, this guy this, there might be some real buzz around this guy, the Princeton quarterback Kevin Davidson. Yeah, he put up really big numbers uh, in the Ivy League there. Definitely gonna have to dive into that tape. Yeah. NFL this teams. I remember fun. NFL teams early in the process were asking for um jimmy garoppolo i remember jimmy yeah. garoppolo was a big name they're like hey we need to get this we need grades for these guys but uh that's that's good company kevin davis that's good company mm-hmm. being when people are at when teams are asking for your grades from uh pff all right steven montez i don't i'll tell you right now renner i don't love steven <laughs> i don't think i mean he, he didn't grade super well for us this past year i did not look good at all mm-hmm. at the senior bowl i mean oakland native i have a little bit for that i'm from oakland as well mm-hmm. but outside of that I, I can't get on the bandwagon that is steven montez. And, this, and the thing is like he, so he starts as a sophomore back in 2017, 75.0 passing grade, and has gotten worse since then. Like he has not improved whatsoever. Had a big arm. Like I thought that after that year, I'm like, oh, Steven Montez, this guy's going to be a name to watch. Like after uh, what he was doing in that season. And then 
the last two years, like we've been talking about how LaVisca Chenault, like they can't get him the ball down the football field because the quarterback situation there, we're not like calling yeah. Montez out by name, but it's because it's because yeah. it's Montez. Like Montez is not just like over has 20, a strong oh, arm. Over twenty two percent of his passes were on catch flow or inaccurate. Yeah. That's outside the top sixteen ranks. He only just a seventy two point three PFF passing grade, fourteen big time throws, fifteen turnover worthy plays. That ratio is not improving is, is also no. the scary thing. That, it's a huge concern. And I mean, already twenty three years old as well. Oh man. So I didn't know he was that old too. Jeez. Yeah. That is that is a red flag city. Yeah, for not Steve a lot. Montez. And then yeah, this the Senior Bowl performance was uh, less than stellar. We'll say. All right, let's get to a guy that uh, <laughs> Eric Eager calls the number three quarterback yes. prospect in the 2020 NFL Draft. It's Anthony Gordon of Washington State. He's he's sipping the Kool Aid on Washington State's offense. Same with Gardner Mitchell. I mean, the analytics guys were high on Gardner Mitchell too. He graded yeah. really well. I thought Anthony Gordon looked good at the Senior Bowl. Accurate with the football. I like his decision making inside and outside of structure. Doesn't have the arm talent. Okay, not as accurate as Gardner Minshew. I think I would say that as well. But Anthony Gordon, there's some moxie there. And now the grades are backing it up. I could get on board. Ah, man, I just can't get that Utah game out of my head because one, Utah's defense, best defense he faced all year, and uh, obviously it was going to be difficult for him. That not a ton of you know pure talent on that Washington State offense outside of Esau Winston Jr. Uh, oh man, in terms didn't of didn't even get an invite to the combine. Open. It's over. Esau <laughs> Esau train is over. The hype train is dead because he didn't get an invite to the combine. I'm pissed. But, but yeah, in that Utah game. He had eight turnover worthy plays. And it just like completely fell apart to the point where I was just like, this is awful. Like yeah. it was just now, yes, it was only what his fifth start ever as a college quarterback. Uh, he did but he takes as way more risks than Gardner Minshew ever did. But yeah, he was, he's much more of a, he takes those chances down the football field, but like he takes bad, chances. too many bad chances. Yeah, he, takes, like, he does like, not take calculated risks. He takes some bad risks yeah. and they show up on tape. And so, but he does have some of that, Okay, this is. I'm going to say Patrick. I'm going to bring up Patrick Mahomes' name, but this has oh nothing to do with God. it. But in terms of like, he has some of that, just like uh, innate quarterbacking to yeah. it, where it's just. Oh no, you saw that in the Super yeah. Bowl too. Like his best plays. Like I think you said this before the Super Bowl. Anthony Gordon's at his best mm-hmm. when things break down and you have to have those instincts and that innate well, quarterback. Just, yeah, play. yeah like exactly. He, create something on your own. Cre- yeah, throw throw making in terms of like throwing a guy open where he might not necessarily be open, but you put it on his leverage instead of the defender's leverage. Like he's good at those things. But bad decisions with football. It doesn't have a, that big of an arm, but he has a really pretty release. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that with. Well, overconfident, uh, I would say, with his arm. With sometimes. Seth Molina, I mean, but he tries yeah. to fit some ter- certain things in. You get a little, oh, Anthony but Gordon, call, you call him the third best QB in the. Like the you look at the grades, he had 81.8 grade this past year. But if you take it, take out the Utah game, it bumps up like close to 90 mm-hmm. because that's how bad that Utah game was for his grading profile. But I can see why, you know, the, the data would love him. And like, there's a lot to like about this guy. I, I, I'm just lower on him because I get scared when guys completely fall apart uh, because it's like yeah. those are the defenses you face in the NFL. When it's the toughest defenses you face in college are the ones you face in the NFL week in and week out. And if you just completely fell apart, that doesn't bode well. For, you know, it's like that Mitch Trubisky against NC State coming out. Good defense there at NC State that last year, and he just absolutely ate, ate shit that whole game. Uh, looked awful, and well, we've seen what happened in the NFL. I'm going to tell you something though. When we say like the data guys or you know the data scientists George and Eric are high on somebody for the, for the quarterback position, it's going to come down to a handful of things. He's got to be very accurate with the football, mm-hmm. limit mistakes from a clean pocket, and grade well from a clean pocket. You see that with Andy Gordon yeah. a, a lot. Only 16.2 percent of his passes were uncatchable, inaccurate, charted by PFF. That ranks inside the top five at the quarterback position. And 68.7% were accurate or accurate 
plus in PFF's ball turning. I mean, this guy is very accurate with the football, good from a clean pocket. When you have those types of numbers, you're going to perform well mm-hmm. in, in the predictive metrics that PFF is putting together. Yeah, and he uh, makes a quick decisions with the football, and you love guys that come from offenses like Washington State where it's on them. Mm-hmm. They have to win. If they're going to win a game, it's because of them. Yeah. And it's like when you get when you see a guy like Nate Stanley, who's so protected by the run game, the Iowa QB, uh, so protected by the run game, so protected by play action, like it's it wasn't on him to win football games, so protected by a good defense, that sort of thing. It was on Gordon to win football games every week. And, he, you know, UCLA game, he did. Dude, that UCLA game was fantastic. Yeah. What a game to watch. Um, all right, let's move forward to Jacob Easton, the guy that gets a lot more hype. Or, I mean, he's been talked about oh, a little bit more. We know they lost more. that UCLA game, right? Oh, no, I think they might have lost that UCLA game. Oh, man. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Oops. Um, but he put up a lot of points. So that's yeah, he did. Yeah, that's all that matters, right? Uh, Jacob Easton. I mean, the story is this guy is two different people. There's a Jacob Easton that's from a clean pocket. Mm-hmm. And then there's this Jacob Easton. That's kind of like a nightmaric character from <laughs> when he's under pressure, looking at the grading profile, a 91.7 PFF passing grade from a clean pocket, yeah. 20 touchdowns, five picks from a pressured pocket under pressure, a 37.6 PFF passing grade with three picks, only two, two touchdowns, a low completion percentage. This guy struggles. And that's an understatement under pressure. We've said it about Jacob Easton pretty much every time we bring him up. And when you're that yeah. you know, cataclysmic under pressure, when you're that much of a problem under pressure it's hard to get behind you as a quarterback yeah and it really and it's again it's not like just the fact that he's bad under pressure it's the way it's the reason why he's bad it's because he's mm-hmm. panicking yeah like it's not just like oh uh oh you know a couple a couple bad decisions you know uh, uh whatever stepped in the throws and then like threw it to a linebacker missed linebackers you can live with that you can't live with the guy falling away and heaving you know the Derek Carr throws yep. like those oh, are man. those are the ones where it's like actually scary about projecting to the next level because like we said he had a very good offensive line at Washington he was not under that much pressure something like 22% of his dropbacks were mm-hmm. under pressure and so and we also and the other scary thing is we charged he t- took 22 two sacks this year we charged him with eight of those oh man not the offensive line that, 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 that's so the, like that's a worse that's combo a very that's a bad combo rate. like yes. you, you, you panic under pressure and make bad decisions rush then, your rush your process all those things and then also and when you don't rush the process when you don't make that bad throw yeah. you're taking sacks that you're, you shouldn't have taken man yeah. that is a is a bad combination for projecting a quarterback at the next level. I mean, that's one I'd be scared to get behind. Let's move to Shea Patterson. I think Shea Patterson, what, former five-star, big pedigree, dude loved coming out of college. This guy is I mean, one of the worst. Coming out of high school. Like he, at, yeah. at Elite 11 was awesome to watch mm-hmm. because it's seven on seven, but he was just like so confident in his throws, all like some beautiful downfield throws. And the high end with Shea was great. Even at Michigan, at Ole Miss, it was great. Like he had games where he would just bury teams and you're just like this guy's a you know this guy's a first round type of prospect like he's that talented can make plays outside the pocket has athleticism has a quick release but then like that is just all over the map the guy is just like up and down talk about all over the map this past year fewer than 50 percent of his passes were accurate he ranked outside the top 100 in uncatchable accurate percentage you look at from a clean you talk about jacob easton being bad under pressure (laughs) 31.1 pff passing grade under pressure for shea this past year a 90.4 from a clean pocket this guy needs an ideal situation to put the ball accurately let alone make a good decision i you can't be in love with what you've seen with Shea Patterson. And if you look at his grades and look against just good competition, I mean, this guy's really struggled to elevate and bring himself above, you know, uh, where he needs to be. Yeah. 
It, it, very much so. And he's also old, 23 years old, right? It's like, oh. I don't think you're going to fix this guy. Yeah. Like, that's what he's been every single year of his career. I think, you know what role this guy needs at the next level? It's a little bit of a hot take. Taste of Safety. Hill. No. <laughs> I think you put this guy in a taste of Hill role because he's athletic. He has good, I mean, yeah. good size. I mean, 6'2", 205, maybe not great size. Yeah. But I mean, this combine for him is so important. You yeah. better prove you that that, five, you better prove that that five-star pedigree has some athleticism to it because if you come in there and run like in the late four sevens, four eights, you're, not, yeah. you're coming off His, boards he's, at this he, point. He needs a Trace McSorley-esque combine. Yes. There's another comp. I yeah. think I took Trace McSorley, Taysom Hill, put himself in that role. I mean, you, Shea Patterson, you could be a punt protector at the next level a personal PPR. protector if you want to be you know something in the nfl let's get it you want to play on sundays all right all right that's a little harsh on Jay, but let's move to uh, move to a, a much better quarterback yeah. prospect the next guy on this list here kind of random order uh, but to a tongue of of alabama the injury is the first thing that comes up with his name it says he's saying or reports are saying that he will be fully healthy by the time of the draft does that mean he plays in 2020 we'll see but regardless push the injury aside let's just throw it to the side here two years of elite grading over 90.0 plus in the sec he has two of the top 15 all-time single season pff passing records or great highest passing grades in the college era he's that good on the field this guy's one of the better quarterback prospects in, in this mm-hmm. draft let alone yeah. what we've seen yeah. in the past four or five drafts yeah the analytics love him pretty much everything like there's pretty much all in agreement if he was fully healthy dude's a franchise quarterback prospect yes. he's not joe burrow but he's a franchise quarterback type of prospect dude's fully healthy the washington redskins are Should've, strongly yeah. thinking about him at number yes. two and, and i and with the injury, though, I'm saying I would not take that chance on him with how serious the you know repercussions could be Especially and how good Chase, Chase Young, Young is. Yeah. But I, I do have to, to laugh when everyone's quoting this report about uh, you know the the CT scan or whatever coming back and the mm-hmm. bones healing. It's like that that was not the problem. Like the, the one everyone's like quoting is like, oh, good signs are good returns from Tua. That's not the issue at all that people are his worried about. His agent is that, pushing yeah, exactly. that, my friend. Like, that one, like that whole report means nothing to his like long-term what the, people are actually worried I about. I actually about the elevated his draft stock after that report, <laughs> so I don't know what you're Yeah, talking. so like everyone's pumping that up. Don't like, that's not the thing you're worried about. Bones heal. Like, that was always going to happen. His bone was always going to get back to, uh, to you know, a hundred percent. It was whether or not the bone inside the, the blood supply is still going to his hip that we won't know for probably another couple months to for sure. For the listeners that don't know, Mike's dad's a doctor and a hot take from Mike it, bones heal. So here yes, we are you know, really uh, dropping yeah. <laughs> some fire medical advice or medical I, uh, reasoning facts, I, logistics. I don't know. I mean, this, this is just I great. Do, I do. I, I do like he, he'll talk to me for like an hour about to his injury and I'll be like dad like you've repeated this like three this times. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> I'm like I just wanted to know like the the like just give me like the long and short of it and then he'll give me the history about hip injuries uh, throughout you know you thought this was two for one drafts it's three for one we got medical advice medical we're gonna bring well. your dad on the pod we should actually bring your dad that. on the pod I'm in I'm all in or your mom I mean she's <laughs> well, let's not get into your mom alright Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma no, next quarterback here I, I think with Jalen Hurts I, see there's people who I, I, when you talk about Jalen Hurts I've been asked on multiple radio hits Jalen Hurts could probably fit in the NFL because of Lamar Jackson what the Baltimore Ravens are doing uh, this guy's not the same level athlete. He's not even as accurate as J- Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. And I, I just don't think they're on the same tier of quarterbacks. I think Jalen Hurts would be a great backup behind Lamar Jackson. I don't see him as a starter at the next level. And if he is, it's going to be for another team that has to completely adapt their offense mm-hmm. to his skill set. One of which that is a tier below, if not two tiers below, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I, do, I mean, ideally, like, I, I like in a 
perfect world, yes, you would like adapt your offense to him, but it's not quite that simple. Like not everyone, not every offense coordinator like knows how to scheme up the way no. Greg Roman does or knows how knows how to adapt their offense to a guy's strengths like that. So yes, ideally you would have a good offensive mind who would be able to take advantage of his skill set, but that's just not the way like the NFL works nowadays. He just does not have the the ability. So the, the comp for him right now is Tyrod Taylor, but he's still I don't even think he's as accurate down the football field as Tyrod Taylor. I would agree with you. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is still uh, able to beat you over the top more than I think Jalen Hurts uh, has proven throughout his career at Alabama and Oklahoma and at Senior Bowl where he was kind of all over the place on those deep balls. 100%. He, he did great so. really well. I think he was in a system that really benefited his skill set an 89.4 PFF passing grade this past year. Tied for seventh with Tanner Morgan who is a name to know for next year. He came into the Cincinnati yeah. offices recently as well. I don't oh. know if you met Tanner Morgan when I he did came not. in. But no Tanner, that. good Jesus. dude. Uh, well, we kind of don't like telling you things here at PFF. But Tanner Morgan yeah. tied with him. Jalen like Hurts. Either, so. 18 big time throws. 14 turnover worthy plays. And I think the 18 big time throws with that high grade a lot of that. I mean he was accurate on a lot of the underneath stuff. But they didn't ask him to do a ton down the football field. Yeah. And rightfully so. You start to push the ball down the football field. His accuracy metrics, his grading looks a lot worse. They relied on a, guy, a lot of guys after the catch here. Yeah. I mean they, he worked the intermediate level. I mean it's and it's that Lincoln Riley offense is just it's fucking money. Like it's just there's guys running wild in that offense. So that also helped out. So yep. All right, let's go to Jake Fromm. I think the number four quarterback in according yes. to PFF's, uh, PFF's latest position rankings, Jake Fromm, ahead of Jacob Eason, ahead of Jordan Love. That's where we have him right now. Jake Fromm is like the college version of it was Alex Smith in college, mm-hmm. just like very much quick decisions, going to get the ball where it needs to go, going to do it quickly, not going to turn over the football. You put it on his back. It's not going to end great for you. It's just that's who he is. And that's that's like you can you can work with that in the NFL. It's just, yes, if you're drafting the first round, I would probably set my sights a little higher. But like as a in a second rounder, if you need a backup quarterback, like I would go and take this guy in a heartbeat because I think he can win you football games. Uh, but I don't think he's like, again, like you should set your sights a little higher than someone like Jake. Ceiling Brown. is limited. I mean, exactly. he's not going to be a quarterback at the next been. level that, like you said, when you put the game on his shoulders, he takes it to the next level and, and wins you football games. Yeah. But if you need a guy where you already have a good defense, which is rare, and you already have a good offensive mm-hmm. line, these things, then he can come in and win you a handful of games in a pinch. Maybe Jake Fromm's your guy. Taking him in the first round, though, I think that is rich. I don't know yeah. if I do it, even with positional value included. Yeah, and it's he is just, like I said, he's just limited. And you you can win with his limitations. You can still, like I said, not going take sacks not gonna turn the ball over going to execute your offense so i can see a team falling in love with them i could see uh you know like the patriots at the back end of the first round falling in love with them and being willing to take a shot on him because he has very there's a lot of things about the quarterback position he does well but then he's not super accurate and then the downfield throws just aren't there the accuracy is the biggest concern for me 25.8 percent of his throws were charted as uncatchable inaccurate passes and that you're getting when you get over that 20 percent number is when you get into this tier of inaccuracy Mm -hmm. that is a huge concern that's hard to win with at the next level especially when you start to see him push the ball downfield 10 plus yards down the football field and another thing too yes 24 big time throws only seven turnover the plays but a lot of that is when it when he tries to push the ball down the football field he's not that guy that has that high end in his game and also we talked about the anthony gordon thing anthony gordon it was on his back every time it was not on jake Fromm's back only seven games in his entire college football career did he take at least 35 dropbacks oh wow anthony gordon took more than that every single game this year you know and he had at least 35 god bless you mike Leach. Every god game. bless you right? i can't so wait to watch mississippi like, state this year yeah oh, kj yeah. costello kylan hill the bowling That'll be ball fun. kylan hill's so good in the first three weeks of the season you get on board really <laughs> right? excited Dude. he forces like eight missed tackles against southern miss you're like bang 
laying in the table for this guy in the draft. Then, but I, I think with Mike Leach, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, you'll it, get thrown the ball. You'll hopefully, I mean, to prove that. I, if I was a running back, and I put, maybe this is why he came back, but like you get an opportunity to work with Mike Leach and get thrown the football. Whoa, like that's that's next level. You see running backs You're, that don't even have near like. 50 targets in their career before yeah. they go to the NFL. That's probably better for your draft stock nowadays than going somewhere like Wisconsin where they're just going to grind you into dust. Yep. All right. Now we're getting to the upper tier here. The upper echelon. Joe Burrow is the next quarterback we got to bring yeah, up Yeah, I'll say these ones, like, we've hammered these yes. guys. Like, you you know our takes on Joe Burrow. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, Joe Burrow is awesome. I mean, he's up there. He's earned the best single-season passing grade PFF's ever seen at the college yeah. level, and he did it in the SEC. He did it in the college football playoff. This guy was truly special this past year. Older prospect, sure. Had a great supporting cast. Joe Brady, we don't care. This guy was accurate to a level we've never seen. Good inside the pocket, outside of the pocket, clean pressured i don't really care jersey number it doesn't matter joe burrow who's absolutely fantastic this past his ability his ability to work the pocket is probably the most impressive yes thing that kind of gotten swept under the rug with burrow he is unlike any other college quarterback i've ever seen in his ability to just navigate mm-hmm. like navigate tight pockets and keep his eyes up downfield and make plays like that you just that offensive line this they won the joe moore award or whatever but like they weren't that good. Yeah, like the tackles were kind of rough there. He was under a lot of pressure, or a lot more pressure than you know, like Tua at Alabama. Like they, their offensive line was not at that sort of level, but he operated uh, very well from it. Still, absolutely. All right, last two quarterbacks on the quarterback class overview. Remember, all of these guys will be in the 2020 NFL Draft Guide that drops on February 24th on PFF.com. Subscribe to PFF's Edge or Elite subscription to get full access to that. Download that. Definitely do it. Mike Renner's hard work over 700. 150 pages, dude. It's freaking Bible length, bro. This is next level. All right, last two. Justin Herbert of Oregon. You have our takes on him. We're not as high on him as we, as others mm-hmm. are. Yes, we believe he has one, some of the best arm talent in the class. Yeah. Looks the part. I've raved about the kid's hair. It's great hair. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to anyone here. Great hair. But Justin Herbert, when, when the game's on his shoulders, when he's got to rise to the occasion and be the best player on the football field, that's where you see him crumble, and it's just so hard to get behind yeah. that. And, man, the people that are trying to pump up his Utah and Wisconsin big Big wins. Stop. It's just like he he threw the ball twenty times against Wisconsin for hundred thirty eight yards and had a pick and no touchdowns. He was he has, he has sixty four point four pass grade against Wisconsin, fifty eight point three against Utah. They did not win those games because of Justin Herbert. It was because of the defense, because of their running. Like he is. His athleticism is almost has gotten underrated. I think. I think you can actually oh, run with him yes. in the quarterback design running. I think game. not enough people are Big making dude. comps to athletic quarterbacks at the next level. Yeah. One that like have like primary like Josh Allen. Like I yeah. think like Josh, he has like similar athleticism into where like you could run some designed Justin Herbert runs at the next level and have mm-hmm. success. I, I and the thing is like if you draft him top ten. And he's going to go top 10. Like he has a, That's too, a lock. Too I, big gar- an arm. I guarantee that. Too big of an arm to go top too 10. Too good of a face. Too, way too good of a face. <laughs> you don't 6'6", 240 doesn't last long exactly. in quarterback position with a cannon. That just like that gets drafted top 10. I'm not going to hate on it because there is something like there is a lot there. Like he he makes some special throws down the football field that other guys can. Like that arm talent does play at the next level. And, and it's not like he's inaccurate. Like I said, I've been banging the table. He's not, he's not like uh, your normal big arm quarterback, you know, Tyree Jackson's, your Josh Allen's of the world who kind of like, you get, you got to, you're just like when they throw it, you don't know where it's necessarily going. No, he's pretty good about that. Sub it's 20% uncatchable so, inaccuracy. Yeah. Percentage. So there is like, 
there's reasons to fall in love. And if you're going to draft him top 10, I'm not going to hate on too much because of the quarterback value, because of what, what hitting on him would mean. But it's just, I'd rather go else. Also, to compare Justin Herbert to Jake Fromm, like Jake Fromm's ceiling is significantly lower than what Justin Herbert brings yeah. to the table. And that's why you feel more comfortable. But it's just like you're limited. Your offense yeah. is limited with Jake Fromm. Herbert, yeah. any offense you want to run, he can, he, he can do anything. It. Yeah. The problem is, is when is he going to do it? Yeah. Is he going to do it? He's going to do it against, you know, the worst team in the NFL, maybe bad defenses. But yeah. is he going to do it when it comes crunch time? Is he going to do it in the postseason? And that's where we've seen him oftentimes fail. Honestly, like the comp for him on the draft guys, Ryan Tannehill, and I could see him having a career kind of like Tannehill where it's just like very meh for a while and then puts it puts it out like flat flips the switch at one point and mm-hmm. buries some teams and like actually like goes to town for a few games in a row but then comes back down to earth at some point that's that, i like that comp i kind of like it all right last quarterback on the quarterback overview it's jordan love we talked about him a ton as well high low roller coaster again another guy that you have he has more high end than jake Fromm, but he's a guy where the low end comes up way more often than you'd like to see especially against lower level competition uh, against the in the mountain west had some games that were some bad games you don't want to see against mountain west competition some bad decision making not always accurate with the football and then you watch that game against LSU I mean this guy crumbles he starts to press he knows he's losing and when, when he does start to press it looks even worse I think Jordan Love there there I think he's fixable potentially mm-hmm. maybe fixable but and what you fix him to become is pretty spectacular at the next level but again the low end right now is, is a huge concern yeah uh, we'll see yeah, we'll start on the positives because we actually have probably haven't thrown a ton of positives out for Jordan Fair. Love over the course of the process because we've been arguing against you know that first round narrative on him but he has ridiculous touch with football like he he has some throws where he knows how to put it over a linebacker in front of the safety like he will adjust uh the speed of the ball based on you know where it needs to go puts it in a bucket down the football field very very well and that's probably one of the biggest things that he lost this year was plays like that he, he had a throw against lsu that got picked off by uh, i think it was Derek singley picked him off uh, on a go ball to where uh Joe Joe Burrow makes that throw. Uh, it's a touchdown because uh, Jamar Chase coming down with it. Like it was a perfectly placed go ball. It was just his receiver got fucking toasted at the catch mm-hmm. point, and Derek Singley's Derek Singley. So like he lost a lot of yardage on stuff like that because he just didn't have guys who could win uh, on those go balls. And he throws a really nice one, uh, and so that a lot of that came away from came out of the Utah State offense this past season. And he does not take sacks. Like mm-hmm. he's very good about not taking sacks. Sometimes that comes at the detriment in terms of he throws the ball. Into, you know, he's just throwing it up for grabs at times. But he will has one had one of the lowest sack rates in the country each of the last two years. Uh, so there is positives. Those are the things that are good to work with at the next level. Being able to drop it in the bucket, not taking sacks, are th- good things. There's a lot of bad though too. Yeah, We've there, touched on the there, bad. there's a ton of bad with Jordan Love, mm-hmm. and I think the positives are reasons why at the back end of the first round you see teams getting mocked Jordan Love, or even sometimes in the middle of the first round. Yeah, but I, I think right now we see him as a day two prospect where you start to feel comfortable yeah. taking a flyer on Jordan Love. Yeah. All right, it's time to get in these running backs. Running back overview of the 2020 NFL draft class. I'm going to start with our running back one according to PFF's latest position rankings. It's Zach Moss. We should probably throw Lynn Bowden in here too. Yes, no, he's not a wide receiver. We're going to throw Lynn, Lynn Bowden. Bowden. I thought it was wow. Bowden. Damn it, it's Bobby Bowden, but Lynn Bowden. I can get down on Bowden, to be honest. All right, well, let's start, let's start with Zach Moss. Okay. PFF's top running back in the NFL draft right now, and reason is it, this guy's a force miss tackle machine, and when, when you look at the force miss tackle metrics, those are yards after contact per attempt, force miss tackles per touch, those are metrics that have high predictive power going from college to pro. So does athleticism and things like that, but Zach Moss is the best tackle breaker in this class, hands down. Yes, uh, he has the highest force miss tackle rate per attempt, .38. 
eight. The next closest among any guys in this list, Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 0.33. So pretty considerably higher uh, than anyone else in this draft class. And you look at guys, uh, the other, some of the other top running backs uh, around the country, and they're not even close to uh, Zach Moss, you know, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Jesus, who are the other ones? DeAndre Swift. I'm just like losing it right now. They, they are not even close in terms of being able to break tackles. Now that you do other things well, and we'll touch on them when we get to them. But Zach Moss is just super elusive and one of the most elusive running backs we've ever graded multiple seasons now, whether it's receiving or as a runner. It comes from a system in Utah where they run a lot of zone stuff. Like he's very adept at making those reads necessary. So uh, I, that's why it's running back once, just because we feel safe about it. Maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling of these guys, but we feel good about those things translating contact balance ba- uh, power i mean this guy brings a lot and to the table and i think he's gonna run like around a four or five something like yeah. he's not slow like he's not like he's not like david montgomery or devin singletary he can hit home runs himself i would agree with that 100 all right let's jump to lim bowden lim bowden jr of yes. kentucky a guy who played slot let's. receiver a ton or receiver i think mostly slot receiver in 2018 yeah, quarterback goes down this year quarterback goes down they go to their second stringer <laughs> that guy goes down they're like dude lim bowden i know you played quarterback in high school Do you, you want to step up the plate potentially hurt your draft stock and play quarterback for the kentucky wildcats this season he says yes sir comes in and plays quarterback back doesn't throw the football a ton well he's like lavisca his, yeah, favorite, like, his favorite routes yeah. to the wild wildcat yeah his favorite routes to direct snap he gets yeah. a ton of those playing quarterback for kentucky and and blows the doors off guys from a rushing standpoint yeah. you go to that louisville game turn on the louisville tape for limbo jr please do this guy just destroys louisville in that game they know he's running the football they don't think he's throwing the ball downfield yeah. but this guy runs the football so well forces missed tackles after the catch when he is playing receiver and when he just has the balls in his hands i don't know if you want to consider him as a running back receiver a guy a guy you want in your team. I don't care what position, but this guy has legit ability in terms of forcing his tackles and, and gaining yards, creating yards with the ball. In his I would say, I think, I think if I was, if I was an NFL GM, I would consider him a running back because of how special he was as a runner this year. Fifty-five broken tackles on 182 rushes. <laughs> That's uh, absurd. One of That's the highest rates in the rate. country. Yeah, uh, so a very high forcing tackle rate, and he is uh, just elusive. And then you add in his receiving ability. If he's a full-time receiver not that special but for a running back it is different like that's actually game changing ability so to the ability to move him from the backfield to the slot I think is very valuable and he has that and he showed he can run between tackles like as a quarterback they were doing like quarterback power like it was not just option runs where he's out in space no he's actually running between the tackles a lot of times breaking tackles there there's a little undersized 6'1 200 but uh, I think he could very much do it I'm going to take you through uh, Limbo Jr.'s last two games week 14 against Louisville uh, 278 rushing yards on 28 attempts 12 force missed tackles then he goes to plays virginia tech in the bowl game 32 attempts 223 yards and 11 force missed tackles I, th- th- these are absurd numbers yeah. if he was just playing running back he's playing quarterback position mm-hmm. I, I mean lim bowden is such a fantastic player i, I really do think he, he is a special one and get the ball in his hands get him in an offense that's willing to get creative with his usage because i think he can play in the slot he could play outside you know do, at running back and do different things give me some wildcat yeah. with lim bowden I'm, I'm excited about him as a prospect all right let's jump to the next running back on this list Eno benjamin mm-hmm. yeah i think there's some people that are, are catching on that Eno benjamin maybe isn't this top running back prospect there's not a lot i, I, didn't, a love, I didn't love his tape this past year yeah he's he's far too home run look looking for the home run for my taste like he does not he's not the guy who's going to take what's there and i mean with that offensive line being as bad as it was this past season there weren't a lot of home runs to be had so he had yeah. only 4.2 per like that's it's a rough bad year for college yeah that's not good great 
Uh, a lot of his rate stats fell down only 2.9 yards after contact per attempt. You want to see that at least most of the top running backs are well over three and a half uh, in this class. He just he's not a guy who's going to drag defenders. Uh, very much kind of a scat back profiles too at the next level. Um, I, which I like he's super bouncy like the dude can stop on a dime can jump cut make you miss in the hole but again the, with that running style I just to me is not one that translates well to the NFL the guys that look for home runs uh, they're faster in the NFL the defensive ends track you down in the NFL it doesn't happen in college but do you, like you know 280 yeah. pound, pounders are running four sixes tracking you down so it's not going to be as it's not as sweet as it looks there in the NFL. especially at the running back position there's so many other guys you can attack especially on like late day two day three you're looking at running backs that can offer significant value as these like kind of change of pace options mm-hmm. and I think you know Benjamin compared to some of the others in this class that are going to be available when he's available I think you pass on him more than and you do take him. All right, let's go to J.K. Dobbins of Ohio State. Uh, he, you know, from a Forsman's tackle perspective, actually had a pretty decent year this past year. 73 total Forsman's tackles on 301 carries, averaged 4.01 yards after contact yes, per that's attempt. The, that's what you want to see. Yeah, that's what you want to see in, in, in the running back there. Over 1,200 yards after contact. Yes, he had 2,000 yards rushing, but over 1,200 yards coming after contact for J.K. Dobbins. I think he's just very good across the board. Like, he's just like solid, 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 solid. There's not one thing that he does maybe exceptionally well probably his best traits is vision is very good uh very quick with his reads one cut lives with it gets upfield which that's the running style you want protecting the nfl you want the guy that does that not the guy who's looking for the home run and he hit home runs because he was you know because they did actually have a good offensive line there as well that was you know uh providing him some holes to run through but then he maximized them would make safeties miss and then take it to the house so he has he'll probably run you know sub four or five if i had to bet he has that sort of speed uh like I said, just very solid across the board. We're not going to draft him in the first round, but I could I could get on board with taking this guy day two somewhere. Do you have a comp for J.K. Dobbins? Because I like his speed. I don't think he's a slow back. I mean, no, five, foot I ten, said, four, five, five foot ten, five foot ten, two hundred fifteen pounds around there. I mean, he's solid. Can force miss tackles, not at the rate of Zach Moss, but he can do it in the open field. Like you said, mm-hmm. sees it, hits it. I think I, I I can't think of a comp comes you know right to my head right now. But I think J.K. Dobbins is an impressive back, has an impressive profile. Let's see who I comp to in the comp to Spencer Ware. Not a, not a great comp. Oh, man. That, that's what I expected. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, J.K. Dobbins. We might revisit that one for this re- one. Revisit after the combine. Yeah. Looking at where where a player runs, you know, how he tests in the agility drill, I think that's going to be important. And when I mean, looking at, I kind of want to go back and watch more of his tape. You know what I mean? I, I think J.K. Dobbins ran behind a very impressive offensive line, had more holes than I'd say a Zach Moss and some others had. I think that can sometimes make it more difficult to see what this guy can do when situation's not as ideal. But with mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins, I, I think an impressive player, not a guy you take in the first round like you said but one of which that on day two maybe day three you start to feel good about Mm -hmm. all right Keyshawn Vaughn Dude, this guy was rocked up at the Senior Bowl. Five foot nine, like what, two hundred five, two ten, yeah. something in that range. I I don't know if I'm in love with him as a running back prospect, but mm-hmm. I, I think as a change of pace character, I can get on board. Yeah, and he is uh, another guy who's very much a one cut back, and probably was the most one cut backy of any back in this class. That's mm-hmm. that was pretty bad of me. That didn't one make too much backy. sense. That didn't make too much sense. But he he very much uh, it, it has the running style that translates to the NFL. Now five nine two hundred five is not a great size to translate to the NFL. He was, listed at, he was the guy who was listed at 219 at Vanderbilt, and so they were just straight up lying to our faces uh, every week uh, about what's how big he was. But it, he had a much better year in 2018. He averaged 7.9 yards per attempt that year uh, and 5.3 after contact.
contact. Uh, took a bit of a step back, but still averaged 3.7 after contact. Like that's a good number behind a bad offensive line in Vanderbilt. Uh, you know they were pretty much overmatched uh, on a near weekly basis in the SEC. I'll just call it. I'll say what it is on a weekly basis in the SEC. Uh, but he's older. Uh, Going to be 23 by the time he hits NFL football field. Is an Illinois transfer from back in the day, but. I think he's probably going to go day three. And of the guys who go day three, he's going to be one of my favorite options. There you go. I mean, I was uh, looking for Keyshawn Vaughn, looking for his uh, his profile and premium stats. And there's a guy in uh, in the database named Kayvon Dingle. And I think that's just one of the craziest names. <laughs> just I've, had to bring it up. <laughs> any name I've seen. So uh, Kayvon Dingle, not Keyshawn Man, Vaughn. if your last name's Dingle uh, oh, you're, and you're in middle school... You just like fucking you're roasting every single day. <laughs> Kayvon Dingle in 2018, Keyshawn Vaughn uh, had a an 88.5 overall grade, 86.6 rushing grade, and forced 40 missed tackles on 157 attempts, and maintained a similar rate this past year, 54 missed tackles on 199 attempts. I think the first thing that comes up with him too, everyone said, runs hard, runs tough. He breaks missed tackles with effort a lot of the times too, running through mm-hmm. contact and being willing, a willing runner, like a you know a, a thumper, if you will. I think I've used, I've heard that term with him before. All right, let's jump to A.J. Dillon. Talk about a thumper. 250 pounds. This guy brings the heat. But again, he's, he's not going to have high force miss tackle rates. He's not going to have high breakaway percentage at the next level because he doesn't have that doesn't necessarily have that speed. And also so he, he does. He has good speed. It's just the agility. Take, takes a long time to get. Yes, there, that's exactly that's what it is. It's it's there. Uh, if he's not up at full speed, he's not going to break a tackle. Yeah, he has to be. And, and like he's not so it's almost counterintuitive the way he should be utilized you need to get him almost like outside the tackles running mm-hmm. on you know inside zone power that sort of thing when uh, you have to be patient and then hit the hole that's not going to be his best runs like he's not going to be your, but he's not going to be as best between the tackles he's as best at full speed out in space so uh, very similar to I think comps probably Brandon Jacobs back in the day where it's just like oh, Brandon man. Jacobs had to like really needed a full head of steam before but then a full head of steam brand jacob's pretty damn tough to bring down what do you think he weighs in at, at the combine he said listen right now is six foot 250 there's I, zero there's no, reason to be 250 there's, i know that's what i was gonna say there's no way this guy shows up over i mean 250 plus i mean this guy's like, got to be over 230 is just superfluous like it, you don't it's need ridiculous that. i don't i don't know why you'd ever even opt for that <laughs> i mean you look at derrick henry he weighed in at 247 2016 but he's a lot taller yeah. way taller but, and so back to dylan though what like i mentioned the, the yards after contact only 3.48 you think this is a guy that like drags people but yeah. no he really doesn't because between the tackles he goes down a little he goes down pretty easily oh man it's 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 gonna be interesting what he weighs in at can i can i can i bring up a, a combine profile ricky williams weighed in at 5'11 pounds in 99 now that's absurd yeah that's ron like, dane was like 265 or something at the combine I don't oh remember. my gosh that is absurd all right aj <laughs> dylan i mean it's just they to make him i think i hope with, if he's training you know where he's training right now i hope they're saying hey dude get to 240 you know get Drop that ten. You don't need that ten. But yeah. then when you it's look, yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. We looked uh, for that picture with his shirt off. That for one. Well, we looked for it together, and AJ Dillon is actually pretty. I was rocked. next to you while you looked. I don't it. know how much more weight he could lose. I mean, this guy's got a yeah. ton of muscle on his frame. All right, let's jump to Jonathan Taylor. Some people see this guy as the top running back in the class, not PFF's number one running back right now. He's a bad receiver. Like mm-hmm. we don't need to sugarcoat. He's a bad receiver. We talked about this at nauseum. Uh, had massive drop issues heading into this year. They start they tried to help his draft. Like, so he had four drops on 20 catchable passes the first two years of Wisconsin. They, and they made a concerted effort. Like he would come off the field on every passing down too. like his splits were crazy when he was on the field versus off. Um, Try to get him more touches this year. 37 targets had 26 catches. But again, four drops. The drop is still there. Mm-hmm. Pretty ugly. So you just kind of live with it. He's not going to be that big of a 
addition to your passing game, but legit home run speed at 220 plus pounds, probably going to run, you know, four, four, something around there. Like he has, he can take it to the house. Great zone vision is run from, you know, Wisconsin system is, you know, multiple tight ends. It's very much a yeah. pro style running game that he's behind young still. Yes, he has a lot of wear and tear on those tires. 300 plus carries he's averaged over the course of his career every single year. But the dude, like he is, he's great. He's really very well. much I mean, he's an got, NFL running and, back. And like, like he doesn't, he's he's not on the same tier as Zach Moss from a force missed tackle standpoint. But this guy does have yeah. plus force missed tackle ability. And, and it's he's like. You bounce people bounce off him because he has such strong legs. Like he's that. That's how he breaks his tackles. He's kind of like uh, you know Derek Henry in that guard. He's a stiff arm, uh, bounce off my legs guy, not make you miss sort of running back out in space. That's never going to be him. Uh, he is the between the tackles running back you want if you want a between the tackles running back in this class. All right, let's jump to DeAndre Swift of Georgia, a guy that we've raved about from a receiving standpoint. Listed at five foot nine, two hundred fifteen pounds. This past year earned an eighty point four mm-hmm. overall grade. Has has graded in the eighties every year of his career at Georgia, dating back to 2017. This past season, over 1,200 rushing yards, 40 missed tackles, not on the rate we'd like to see. You'd like to see, if, you got, if you're carrying the ball 150, 200 times, you need to be in the 60, 70 force missed tackle figures to really get comfortable about that rate. But the guy has good speed, yeah. good receiving ability. And you, you said this on a recent podcast. You said, the difference between DeAndre Swift and the LSU running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not significant. And I'm in a situation now where if DeAndre Swift's getting mocked in the first round, top of round two, there's no way. Yeah. because of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and what he could do for me on day two if I really wanted to force running back. Yeah, they are very similar backs in that they're undersized, but they're probably the two of the best receiving backs in this class. Uh, you know, Nightmares on angle routes, getting them out of the backfield. Uh, you can do a lot with them in the passing game. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire actually broke more tackle, like had a yeah. better broke tackle rate, better sort of uh, you know yards after contact. And when he's gonna the next I think he was more list, elusive. We'll I think he's him. more yeah. elusive than DeAndre Swift. I mean, he was. I just literally just quoted the figure about him being the second most elusive running back in this class. Uh, Swift, only .2 force missed tackles per attempt. That was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was at .3. And obviously, if you remember, Zach Moss is at .38. So uh, that is, that's a big difference. Uh, and it just is not going to, that hasn't been his game at Georgia. But I do think he's so good in the passing game you can add so much value in that regard but again it's it's the value aspect if people yeah. were talking about him as a fifth rounder we'd love him we'd be like yo this guy's way Dude, better DeAndre Swift in the fifth round would be nice yeah but if you were talking about his first round we're like he's not like a chance a, more like a mid-day two, I mean, I mean top round. 50 pick is getting a little rich for yeah, me in my opinion I mean when you have these yes. like, oh yeah without very deep, much so without deep receiver and cornerback is in this group I don't know yeah. I, I can't get on board mm-hmm. with that and the, uh, Clyde Edwards Lair is the next one on this list for the running back overview and remember all of these players that we listed the quarterbacks and running backs will be in the 2020 NFL draft guide that drops on February 24th for all edge and elite subscribers. I think it's three, three pages of profile, sometimes four, depending on the mm-hmm. position. I mean, th- this is going to be an incredible effort over 750 total pages. I, ha- I dropped a comp for Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the timeline. I'm not sure if you saw it. I, it, it was, it was kind of a high end, low end comp Devonte Freeman, Trey Mason. Do you remember Trey Mason at yeah. Auburn? I like, I liked Trey yeah. Mason at Auburn. I, he kind of went <laughs> off the rails a little bit mentally. I don't know if you saw, have you, <laughs> have you seen that. that, have you seen that article or of research? No. That he kind of like, it kind of fell off the wagon a little bit, Ugh. but Devontae Freeman is probably the better comp on the one yeah. I like more. I mean, I think they're similar backs, similar elusiveness, and they add similar value in the passing game. Yeah, I, I like the I like the Devontae Freeman comp. That's very. I I, I think he's can add that much value like he's very uh built low to the earth mm-hmm. and those guys are tough to bring down and you feel better about guys like that and you know, like devin singletary coming out last year yeah when you're built low to the earth it's just like it's tough to tackle guys like yep. that and they they're shifty uh and he has doesn't have 
great speed, but he has enough, you know, that he can hit home runs as well. All right, let's run through these next group of running backs here. Javon Leak and Levante Bellyman. T- talk to me about these two prospects. Yeah, Javon Leak wasn't even really the starter at Maryland, but he's got better size for the position than a guy like Anthony McFarlane, his teammate, who we'll get to a little later here. Six foot, 210. Uh, I, I had a really good year back, a uh, really good year this past year is really his only year of playing time. So he declares early as a junior, had only 43 carries before this year and only 103 this past year. But that's, kind of that's, the, running back I mean, that's, small that's the running back position. But he has the physical tools uh, of an NFL running back. But we just really don't know at this point. Like he had a really good broken tackle rate, 32 broken tackles on 103 carries. 4.88 really nice. yards after contact per attempt average. That's good on a small sample size. I think but, testing yeah. will be important testing for this guy. I, I think no matter what, he's a day three type of player. Exactly. But this, you can't this, have 103 this is the guy in the preseason next year. Like, who is this guy? Why? One, why is he wearing yeah. a single digit number? Is that the only two <laughs> they had left? And two, he could pr- pr- maybe have a good yeah. preseason and stick on a roster. Javon Leak, small sample size right now. But like you said, and you said this since we started talking about the running back position on this podcast, you're never going to hate a running back for declaring early. Yeah. It's, you just can't. I mean, even if you had this small sample size, the, 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 you, your age is very important at that position. It only gets worse as you get in the NFL. All right, now jump to uh, Levante Bellamy. Yeah, Levante Bellamy, Western Michigan running back. Undersized dude, 5'9", 190, very much sort of uh, scat bet profile. So not going to be your every down guy, but home runs three, speed. Four, so supposedly ran a sub 4-3 last offseason, was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, uh, and, and it very much is. Like, he is a home run type of hitter. Uh, and they gave him, a, they gave him a, a heavy workload at Western Michigan, over 200 carries back in 2018. Uh, averaged six yards per carry and had 1,217 yards, and then 265 carries this past year for 1,471 yards. Uh, he's not you're not going to drag defenders. Uh, he very much isn't going to break a ton of tackles. Like he's not super agile, but straight line speed plays. The you know, straight line speed can be a weapon all on its own. So I think that's what Levante Bellamy brings to the table. All right, moving forward from Levante Bellamy, I'm going to take this one. Michael yeah, Warren. Give it Michael to Warren, us. the se- second from Cincinnati. I'll tell you his nickname right now. They call him Truck. And right now he's listed at five foot eleven, two hundred eighteen pounds. I'll tell you right right now. I don't think this guy's weighing. I mean, getting in at five eleven. This guy has more five ten, low five tens. He's built like a meatball. Is how I would kind of project it and he kind of runs like one too doesn't have doesn't have great speed forces miss tackles because he's, he's low, lower to the ground i think 511 is rich like i said lower to the ground and people just bounce off his legs his legs are massive yeah. quiet guy I had an opportunity to talk to him a ton when i was covering some cincinnati bearcats action have we seen shirtless pics of him yet i haven't seen shirtless pics of him yet he said he'd send me those or, tonight okay. uh, but michael warren though when you talk to him very quiet dude does not talk mm-hmm. a lot of trash and he's actually been in like this you know for these past couple years with cincinnati he's been a little bit of a battle with their other running back there Jared Dokes or the Dokes train as they like to call him but he's been battling injuries and with him battling injuries Warren has had more of the snaps these past years and really run with it quite literally 1200 over 1200 yards rushing each of the past two years at Cincinnati 50 force missed tackles in 2018 got up to 75 force missed tackles in 2019 but I think what's really evident with those high force missed tackle numbers you look at the yards after contact per attempt not getting over four is evident of this guy's kind of home run ability he doesn't have great speed I don't think he's going to impress people at the combine in that regard, but I do think it's just not dynamic. Exactly, not a super dynamic player. But on day three, you feel good about throwing the truck in there. I'll say that. Yeah, kind of like uh, who was the Redskins running back a few Ooh, years ago? Samaj Pirine? No, or, no oh, Kelly. Uh, uh, yeah, Rob Fat Kelly. Rob. Fat Rob. I, I think Fat Rob is a good comp for, for Michael Warren. I mean, when he weighs at the combine, we actually get his height and weight. I think yeah. you'll have a better idea of a comp for him. But Rob, Fat Rob, I kind of like yeah. Fat Rob. That yeah. runs hard, but that's, <laughs> it goes back to your comment. If you have hair coming out of the back of your helmet, and you're you running, always run hard. You always run yeah. hard. It looks. 
guess uh, hair of the back of your helmet, you're either run hard if you're on offense or you're a high motor guy. Exactly. Well, Chase Winovich got drafted for that reason. No, I'm just kidding. He's also very good. Antonio Gibson, running back, receiver coming out of Memphis. This guy. He is awesome. I like this guy. He's not good as a receiver. <laughs> no, no, he's a bad. He's a bad receiver. Man, him running routes like he is. There's a reason he's listed as the running backs and like will be playing running back in the NFL. His routes are pretty rough. But six two two twenty and freak of nature with the ball in his hands. Like how he, how Memphis could afford to not play this guy with only three hundred seven snaps in his career, fifty seven snaps before this year, and it's only two hundred fifty snaps this past season. Uh, and a lot of them just came down the stretch. But he had uh, on thirty three thirty three uh, rushing attempts had 16 broken tackles on 33 rushing attempts and then he had something crazy as a receiver as well like his broken tackle rate so on 38 receptions he broke 17 tackles like he just the dude's tough to bring down uh, very much uh, almost reminiscent of kind of kind of like Juwan Jennings is the way he breaks tackles yep. and that he's just great balance uh, and just thickly built throughout strength throughout his frame so uh, all, basically all his runs were kind of like outside zone their sweeps He's not running normal concepts on those 33 carries. Uh, he's not the massive, massive projection, but you like those tools and like the fact that he can actually catch out of the backfield, even though his routes are kind of rough. Jumping to Jamichael Hasey, five foot nine, 205 pounder out of Baylor, went to the senior bowl. I, d- I honestly didn't love his tape. I mean, he has dreads and maybe you think he runs hard because of that. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, he's he so small. He's though. very small. And like his force push tackle rate isn't something where like, oh my gosh, where you're really impressive with how elusive this guy is mm-hmm. despite his size. I, I, I can't, I don't know if I can get on board with him a ton compared to other guys with better size better grading profiles etc yeah and, and like he's a guy to where he's so small that he, he's not going to add to your you, can, you can't have him in there in pass protection no like he's just not going to be able to do that uh, and he has some sort of home run threat ish ability but he's a guy that goes down a little too easily on first contact oh, like, I, it, he kind of reminds it, me of Dalen Dawkins a Colorado State guy remember the, the running back I mean kind of smaller back that like again had dreads didn't have great force miss tackles but you're really excited about him because he looks like he's running hard yeah. I don't know I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> on that train a little bit there yeah but and it's like guys that small are the kind of guys that look super impressive in college. It's like, oh, damn, like this guy's going to be, you know, that that dynamicism, like it's going to translate to the NFL. And then like guys in the NFL don't get juked out of their shoes nearly as much as guys do in college. No. Like you get and then once you get a hand on him, uh, he goes down and that's then you're not offering that much value at that point. All right. Going to LaMichael Pirine, running back of Florida related to Samaje Pirine. Who? Uh, the, they are very similar. They are very similar. <laughs> and I don't, I didn't like, both, I, don't <laughs> no, I didn't both like, players. I don't like Samaj P. Ryan. I don't really like Michael P. Ryan. I, I, I think you look, here's what I'll say. He's had over 130 t- uh, attempts each of the past three years. He's yet to break more than 30 tackles in a single season. His yards after contact numbers aren't great. And it's largely, I mean, this guy doesn't have home run speed. Yeah. I don't think he's, he's, he's impressively elusive, let alone like even average from an elusive standpoint. His force miss tackle rate was 170th in the nation this past year. And, and, and you see that on tape. This guy gets tackled on first contact and even when gets given open lanes doesn't take advantage of him to the best of his ability he's, like he's a, not a home run hitter he's like a very poor man's jk dobbins we're oh, like, man. like how poor <laughs> broke is this a broke man or like JK he's just dobbins? like he's got really good vision and he'll like he does the little things about the running back position very much looks like a running back but then like doesn't break tackles and is not dynamic and just kind of is just a guy like just a guy is very much the term to use for and, you, and being just a guy at the running back position means you're almost near worthless. I mean, cause like, I mean, most running backs are replaceable when you get to there with just a guy at the running back position. What are you going to do no, with I, that? That's yeah, exactly. Unfortunate. All right. Joshua Kelly, Joshua Kelly, UCLA running back, uh, has good size and speed. I just didn't not, 
no agility. Like his agility just like it stood out on tape as not necessarily being good. Like he just was not gonna make a guy miss in the hole or run a guy over or anything like that. And I, yeah, I didn't love his vision either. Uh, took a big. He, did all right this past year in terms of 42 broken tackles on 229 attempts is like fine like that's whatever but i don't know i was just not a fan of this guy's game for some reason four 4.6 yards per attempt this past season 2.8 yards after contact per rough numbers all right darius anderson of tcu 5 foot 11 torn 12 back or 212 pounder earned an 82.2 pff rushing grade this past year a career high for him has had over 120 carries over the past three seasons and um i think i think had a better year this past year i think there's a re- they, this past season is a reason why he's on nfl radars right now but again uh-huh. not a special back in my opinion it, he's his running style is so different he almost looks like a wide receiver who they just threw at running back because he'll come to a full stop in the backfield like his pacing is all over the map in terms of how he attacks but he is super like from a standstill he can get up to full speed quickly he's one of those guys like he has that explosiveness to him has that agility but i just like he's so sloppy as a runner he's got he's got a ways to go in that regard but there's something to work with like dynamic athletes at the running back position i'd rather take my chance on a guy like him than a guy like michael p ryan absolutely oh i mean i mean compared to the athleticism you're talking about a guy who has actual legit high end at the next level and this past season 3.9 yards after contact and 43 broken tackles on 153 carries is a pretty good rate three running backs left on the running back overview remember all these players in the 2020 nfl draft guide cam Akers, yes of florida state ran behind one of the worst offensive lines in football since he's been Dude, florida in college, state's offensive lines tough. have been comically bad and it's funny because there's the the uh f- the fsu offensive line coach a few years back i remember it was like dante scarnecki is the only guy who knows how to coach my offensive lineman in the nfl or whatever like straight up said that oh man and it's like dude i'm not sure you know how to coach your own offense. Oh man, that's that's troubling. Because <laughs> like they've just like they've been one of the worst offensive lines in among Power Five. I mean, guess this like F in all of college football for like five straight years. Anyway, right. just, and like, Cam, Cam Akers was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage at a higher rate than any running back in the country. And yeah. I think it was he was at a very similar rate this in 2018. I mean, this guy has not had it, tough sledding puts it lightly. And I think yeah. his forced missed tackle numbers reflect that. He's forced a ton of missed tackles behind the line of scrimmage because he's had to. I want to see what Cam Akers looks like behind it. Just a comparable, I mean, an average offensive line. I want to see what Cam Akers can do with a little breathing room because yeah. right now, I mean, it's yeah. hard to really evaluate him when every play mm-hmm. he's face he's having to have you know expert vision to turn it into a big game I, and anthony Tresh wrote a great article about the guys with the most against combine uh, i think in cam makers was at one of them at the running back position yep. because he blows it up like there you can fall I mean, in love with a his five star yeah. like, he has recruited coming out pretty legit physical tools if he like really really goes there and tests like the best running back not even 21 years old yet uh he could still play his way into a day two type of uh Pick. I mean, this guy was the number one running back prospect in the country. And went to one of the worst situations. I mean, that is just a huge concern for him because I think his production would have been stupid yeah. at Wisconsin, stupid at Clemson. These other, you know, these other offenses that have just like above average offensive lines. Again, going to Florida State, the production hasn't been there for Cam Akers. Anthony McFarland, you touched on him a little bit. The Maryland running back has worse size than Javon Leak, but he's been handed the ball a little bit more there too. Yeah, he runs hard and he actually does run hard. I, I don't think that's just the dreads talking, but he very much runs hard uh and I, I just don't think he has great sort of uh top end speed and and runs hard but at 190 pounds and it's like what do you do with that in the nfl 
Like you can you can bowl over college DBs at that size, but just I just don't think it's gonna. I'm not sure it's gonna work out. And he had a monster year back in 2018, uh, sophomore. 131 carries, averaged 7.9 yards per uh, attempt, 3.9 after contact, uh, and, and has had pretty good broken tackle rates each of the past two years. But I, I just I don't know. I, I, I'm not I'm not sold on five eight one ninety three and running hard being enough to yeah yeah. So maybe he does maybe have something to gain if he shows up maybe in like the two ten range, which that'd be a big leap. But I don't know. We'll see. Last running back on the overview here. It's Reggie Corbin of Illinois. Was kind of one of my guys after the twenty eighteen season, but yeah. older prospect, almost twenty four years old. That's former rugby. Wild, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not great for the running yeah. back position. I, I, his force miss tackle rate isn't great. I think he's he's got good speed, and I think in the open field he can do a lot of good things. But he struggles when he doesn't give, get a ton of room. Yeah. And when you struggle when you don't get a ton of room, uh-huh. it's hard to put Nick. His Cablos numbers, contact at or behind the line of scrimmage, his yards after that is not great. And, and I like the former rugby narrative. I, I, I kind of got on board with the 2018 season, but I kind of I'm off him a little bit after mm. this past year. Yeah, it, yeah, it it's tough. And that's why like the small sample size is his thing. It's like he only 128 carries. Yeah, and he hit a ton of home runs on those 128. Because he carries. can hit a home run. Yeah, he's got he's he got good that. speed. I think it, Reggie Corbin's got great. His speed. cutting ability is ridiculous. Like he made some cuts in there where it wasn't just like a 90 degree cut he, he like a 120 degree cut like the dude was like stopping and going the other way and like didn't lose any speed on it really impressive in that regard uh built really low to the earth uh but he doesn't really have he hit a lot of home runs but i don't think he's going to run even like sub four or five i don't think he's that fast uh and if you're that's not a fast not he, does, he runs over a four or five i'm telling you right now that's yeah, not that's, good yeah you'd be I mean, off he needs guy, to be so. in a four four so you even get born in him is like this kind of change of pace uh-huh. kind of style so reggie corbin that sucks yeah a <laughs> I, I liked i liked late him day, yeah. late day three guy yeah late point. day three guy unfortunately for the former lion-eye that's going to do it for the quarterback and running back class overview for the 2020 nfl draft remember all of those players in pff's 2020 nfl draft guide and uh yeah that's it austin gale mike Renner, 2-4 drafts.